Nothing like a great cup of coffee to share with friends. Welcome back to Brisky Business. This segment is called Brisk Bulls and Bears, and this is where we get into public markets. Uh, we finished up uh, last segment talking about uh, a tough challenge at Drew Pearson Marketing where we overcame, and uh, ultimately, I'm not sure we finished that segment with, uh, we talked about the success we finally enjoyed after looking like we weren't gonna actually make it. Um, but that success actually culminated with us taking the company public on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange, which is very interesting. And it seems like that whole story uh, had trials and tribulations. I had a ton of people say, well, why didn't you just go public in the United States? Why do you have to go public on the Hong Kong? And most people think, well, it's because they had that factory in Shenzhen, that first westernized factory. But yet we had a big operation in the United States and Canada and 16 offices in Europe. So that would have been a reason alone to maybe go public uh, in the United States. But this was uh, uh, around the time just post 9-11. And our public markets were in an uproar. Uh, a disaster, really. So uh, it, wasn't, uh, it wasn't the right place for us at the time. But we found a way, and uh, a way that worked for us. And uh, you know, you hear me talk about pivots all the time. But uh, so I have a strong belief in the public markets. And uh, I love this segment because this is gonna be uh, interesting. And this will be one that may help you win a trivia contest someday. Uh, those of you that were here at the very beginning of the program know that I love uh, to talk about Vince Lombardi and him at Fordham and what he did for the Green Bay Packers and uh, who he was as a leader, unbelievable. Uh, Look up some of his quotes, an amazing, amazing man that was grounded with principles. Uh, but the cool thing about the Green Bay Packers, it is the only team, and it's quite unique to the NFL. In fact, it's not only unique to the NFL, it's unique to every sports franchise, Major League Baseball, NHL, uh, NBA, you name it. It's very, very unique for one fascinating reason. The team doesn't technically have a single owner or a handful of partners like every other team in every other sport league. Instead, the team is owned by hundreds of thousands of fans, all who bought a piece of the Green Bay Packers in a public stock sale. Want all the details who owns the Green Bay Packers? You want to figure that out? And how public ownership works? Here's what you need to know if you want to own a piece of the Packers. As the Packer uh, website explains, and you can go check it out there, uh, it's been publicly owned nonprofit corporation, so a publicly owned nonprofit since August 18 of 1923. That's when the original Articles of Incorporation were formed, filed with Wisconsin Secretary of State, and the fans have supported the team by buying shares of the Packers in five separate stock sale transactions. Uh, those happened in 1923, as I said, 1935, 1950, 1997, and 2011. And today, 361,000 people and a little more own the Green Bay Packers. I think that is an incredible story. Over 5 million shares own our, uh, the ownership structure of this uh, iconic franchise. Uh, the conversation um, about the Packers, um, it isn't like holding a stock or a regular meeting when you look at 
typical public companies like we like to speak about. But I think the story is intriguing enough about the power of being public and what it can do. And it also dovetails into uh, sometimes it's not always about the money, and that's certainly the case of this publicly owned franchise. Uh, in Sports Illustrated, it says, uh, uh, there was an article and it says, no lucky Green Bay fan will get rich off the team's next Super Bowl win because the stock pays no dividends. In fact, the stock of the Green Bay Packers isn't even sellable. Certainly opposite of what we've been talking about on, uh, on this segment each week, uh, we talk about public markets and about owning a, a public company as an investment. The Wall Street Journal called the investment in the Green Bay uh, Packer stock the worst stock play in America. Uh, there's an article called Deadspin referring to the ownership um, owning stock as a, quote, feel-good scam. And plus, Deadspin notes that if the team ever gets sold, uh, shareholders will not receive a slice of the purchase price or even get their initial investment back. But fans will tell you something completely different. So obviously, it's not the whole story or not the only story about owning a piece of the Green Bay Packers. So what do the shareholders of the Green Bay Packers get? Well, the team isn't currently offering stock for sale, but a single share costs 250 bucks in the last offering. And buying one gave a shareholder a souvenir certificate, and it gave them the right to buy special ownership or shareholder-only merchandise. You gotta love the creativity here. And an invitation, and I think this is actually big, to shareholders meetings at Lambeau Field. Uh, and these shareholder meetings take place every year during training camp. What great marketing, right, to bring your shareholders there. And your shareholders are actually your greatest fans. They own the team along with you. It's really, really interesting. It's actually uh, um, not as uncommon, uh, uncommon here in the United States, but in uh, foreign countries, it's not uncommon for the teams to be owned by the fans, but sure is uncommon in this country. Um, the, uh, the Packers uh, owners, if you will, the fans, they get to vote for the Green Bay's board of directors. Uh, they get to avoid the seven-member executive committee. Uh, but the shareholders really have no say in team decisions, football or otherwise. You can think of a couple of uh, benefits, too, if you talk to the fans. The fans earn nothing financially by owning the stock. It's a unique arrangement, doesn't ensure profits, don't go into the pockets. This unique arrangement, hear this, ensures that profits don't go into the pockets of a handful of owners. Profits instead go into a, a corporation. This corporation is Green Bay Packers, Inc. And the fans gain assurance that their team won't leave Green Bay. Now understand, this is the smallest market of all major professional sports leagues. So this is a very, very big deal to the fans. Isn't this an interesting public structure that the Green Bay Packers organization came with to help finance a small market team, spreading, spreading the risks, but finding prideful people that wanted to make sure they had a football team that would remain in their small town. What a creative way to be public. You know, the rules of ownership um, that the shareholders follow are a little bit funky, but you know what? The fans purchase the shares of the Packers and suddenly they, they have this, some, this, uh, this surprising rule, at least technically. 
You'll find this probably a little bit crazy, but you don't get to criticize the Packers. That's one of the rules that come into play. So if you own these shares, you cannot disparage the Green Bay Packers. Um, it's very, very interesting. Uh, not typical that we see when there's a multimillionaire owner out there. Uh, in Deadspin, they said they apply just as much to all of the shareholders who own a piece of the Green Bay Packers, this non-disparaging um, agreement that they have, almost like a cult. And man, it has been said, and it'll be hard for you to um, not be able to argue this. Packers fans, best fans on earth. I think it's the reason why they're some of the best fans on earth is because they own a piece of the rock. They own a piece of their team. They actually put their hard-earned money down. If you monitor uh, message boards for negative messages, you're re really unlikely to see it with the Packers. Uh, you won't see it. Uh, you'll see how it affects journalists. Think about this. Right to free speech, you're a journalist. And you as a journalist now bought this stock in the Packers. But you have this non-disparagement agreement. So now you as an, a journalist, you only can give good opinions on the Packers. Maybe that's why they're so good. Even the media has been influenced by this ownership structure. So I find it extremely interested and, and really uh, novel, the people that came up with it. Probably came up in a pivot. I think I've read that the Packers uh, a few times were hurting for capital. And these are the times that they reached out to the public and they gave them a chance to own a piece of the Green Bay Packers and a piece of that certificate. So sometimes owning a company or owning a piece of a company can be bigger than money. Now I don't expect that you should put your entire portfolio invested in these types of investments, but you know what? It's good to have, and we heard Mary Lou Henner say this on a past program, it's good to have some fun money to invest with. Investing should be serious. 90% of what you invest should be in safe, smart investments. But it's okay to take 10% and to go ahead and invest maybe in a friend's company. Go ahead and invest in something that just seems like a crazy new novel idea that might be out there. You know, I've got a ton of friends and they have their smart money, as they call it, and their smart money is invested in, uh, in these types of, uh, of you know, secure and safe investments. And that's where they should be. But I love to see that they have that small percentage of portfolio in things they just want to take a chance on, companies they just want to take a flyer on, maybe hair bunning and crazy ideas. The funny thing is, is when we get together, no one ever talks about the 90% of their portfolio. They always talk about that other 10%. And if you get together with a Packers fan, you know what he's going to be talking about? His Green Bay Packers share certificate. His certificate that helped keep a company in Wisconsin. A company, or a, a company and a football team that Vince Lombardi helped create, one of the great champions in. I love that story. I love its roots to Fordham. And I love that in investing, it's not always about the money. Sometimes it can be about doing the right thing. In this segment, we go with Brisk's Best and Brightest. Programs about mentorship here at Brisk's Best and Brightest. And in past episodes, I really kind of geared this to the college graduate. I was talking to you because you're coming out into a insane world, an insane economy. And uh, I was trying to reach you and let you know, uh, you might have to work a little bit harder than you thought, but things are gonna be okay. And this week, I read an op-ed and I'm going to read you some excerpts from it because I think it's really interesting. The op-ed was from Jason Wright, 
and he wrote it on the class of 2020. And I'm like, wow, that is perfect for what we've been talking about at Brisky Business. And this op-ed went in on how you measure success, but he focused instead on graduating from high school rather than college. Still, I think, an appropriate topic when we talk about mentorship. So in the article, he spoke about not being able to become whatever you want and that people who love you had always told you you could. Wow, that was like throwing cold water on how we were all brought up. You remember our parents? I mean, remember? You could be a baseball player. You could be a football player. You could be a ballerina, honey. You could be anything you want. You know, in his article, he referenced being drafted into the NFL and singing on stage with Grammy winner Billie Eilish. Actually, I have a young high school graduating senior in my life who aspires to be a professional football player in the NFL and another who actually longs to be a, uh, win a Grammy and, and uh, is working hard at trying to launch a, a singing career. Let me tell you, both of these graduates are working incredibly hard at their craft to try to become uh, what they really want to become. But understand how lofty their goals are. They're so lofty to make it in the NFL, to actually win a Grammy. And I'm proud, super proud of their effort and really the support of their parents as they uh, are they're encouraging them. And uh, I tell you, that's not an easy thing to encourage when goals are that lofty. But they do have the talent, and I give them a pat on the back. And sometimes you've got to give your kids a kick in the pants especially when they want those lofty goals. It can't be all about hugging them up. Sometimes it has to be that kick in the pants when they need it. But when I was reading this article, it called to mind a time when I coached my young girls' soccer team. Oh, my word. This was when the shift um, was happening. This was when we first started hearing about removing the goals from soccer nets. Didn't happen yet, but you were starting to hear it being like even a, a bit of conversation. But I was uh, aloof to all that. I was just unaware because that's not how I was raised. I can't even imagine not competing. What's the point of being on a sports team? So I coached uh, my daughter's soccer team. It was called the Red Hots. Oh man, guess what color our uniforms were? They were red, and we had the red hots. And one day after practice, I huddled up the girls, and they were all looking at me. These are seven, eight-year-old girls. And I said to them, girls, got a big game coming up this weekend. What is the most important thing? What is the most important thing? And I was kind of surprised at their answer because, man, I knew what I would have said at their age. And their hands went up and I said, that's all right, all at once, what's the most important thing? And they were like, have fun. I was like, what, have fun? Uh, and I realized that things were changing. So yeah, having fun was important. And I also realized that I was in a position that I needed to be really careful since obviously the majority of the girls said have fun. So how are we gonna twist this a little bit? So I went on with the conversation. I said, you know, having fun is important. But really what's most important is winning. And we got the, oh, literally the shock on their face was unbelievable. And I said, no, it's winning. And they said, no, my mommy this and my father. I said, hang on, let me help you understand. You wear your uniform to the grocery store after the game? Yes. What is the first thing somebody asks you when you're at the grocery store? Did you win? They said, yeah, they were like, yes. They asked if they win. That's right. You wanna know why they ask you if you won? Because that's what's most important. 
But let me tell you this. You need to understand this. Your parents aren't wrong. Winning is fun. Haha. So that's what they mean. Winning is fun. So it is more important that you have fun, and how you have fun is you win. Oh, I thought I skirted that pretty well. But guess what happened? The phone started ringing off the hook that evening. I had at least four calls from parents upset that I would teach winning to their kids. Wow, I was pretty shocked. But you know what? I went with it. And you know what? Those parents, they had a bile or bail choice to make. They could buy me as their coach and the leadership that came with it. Or they could bail and go find a place where it's just about having fun or picking dandelions in the outfield or whatever makes you happy. You know, in an earlier show during a Brisk Business Basics segment, we talked about leadership. Leadership, we're talking about high school graduates now. I am talking to you. I am speaking to you. Um, I'm speaking to you right now. You have this opportunity to strive for excellence, hone your honorable gene, mine the field of integrity, and glean those trustworthy qualities where truth lives. And that truth lives in your heart. If you're known as a caring and generous self-giver and an honest person, full of integrity, then you're going to be able to earn trust amongst others. And I think that's a good place to be right now. You know, the current circumstances of the pandemic that pretty much makes, I guess, uh, makes up close personal to, uh, not to social distancing in my mind, but more like Darwinism. Right? It's more about now survival of the fittest. Isn't that crazy what's really happening? And we're seeing the claws come out a little bit uh, that people aren't real happy about this social distance and they want to get out there and live their best life. Uh, let me tell you about this survival to the fittest. Uh, this mentality will force you to compete against others. It'll force you to compete even with your friends. In fact, it might even force some to step over or on their own friends for a job that they really want in the first place. But let me tell you something. No job, not one job, not any amount of money is worth that. It's about honor, and it's about your integrity, and it's about your trustworthiness and your empathy. So let's talk about that last word, that word empathy. In the world of social Darwinism, the weak are left for the hyenas and jackals to deal with, meaning to kill and eat. Most of the time, you can tell yourself that you deserve the job over the weaker person, but the dreams will haunt you. First, because you forced with reality under your conscious thoughts that you won and they didn't. You focus instead on justification of you being the better candidate. And now I understand the competition, and I believe it's healthy. But sleep well at night knowing that I have not raised my ego to such an extent that I forgot about those who have not been fortunate. I urge you to listen to your heart and develop and elevate your heart to be the best you you can be. The you that doesn't just see need and walk by, the word that's keen on helping others, the you that will offer assistance, job counseling, resume reviews, act from a special place in your heart. The house's honor, that part of your house, that house's honor, trust, truth, integrity, and the essence of who you are. I promise if you'll spend this weird time honing in that part of your soul, 
you will become the type of leader that you should be. Winning is fun, but winners are defined by many different ways. Be the one not only your friend and family are proud of, but be the one that your coworkers and the one that you will be the change that we all need in this crazy world of ours. And by the way, look up Jason Wright's article. It's Fox News contributor. I think if you read that article cover to cover, it will bless you. It'll make you better. It'll make you think. These are crazy times, and you can do some crazy great things. And we're going to conclude Brisky Business right here. And I'll be back again next Wednesday to talk to you on Brisky Business.